Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cryptocurrent. Just one quick reminder. Cryptocurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the Cryptocurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Richard, the team, and their guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow his financial advice. This show and any other Cryptocurrent production is exclusively for informational purposes. What's going on, everybody? For Cryptocurrent, I'm Stephen Miller, and you're watching Cryptocurrent Live, the show where we bring you the latest and greatest in the world of cryptocurrency, the very most enormous news from the cryptoverse. I, of course, am always joined on Tuesdays by my co-host, Richard Carthon. Richard, how are we doing? You're looking festive. Thank you. Feeling great. Got on my Bitcoin uh, Christmas sweater, courtesy of Mr. Miller himself. I think it's swagtastic for those listening in. Make sure you go on YouTube and check this out. You will be jealous. Um, excited to, to dive in today. We got a lot to talk about. Um, how about you, man? How are you doing? You know, man, honest to God, it's a beautiful day in crypto land. It's a little bit frosty outside, um, but we're seeing a little bit of pro- like positive price action right now, which I'm actually quite excited about. Um, Bitcoin apparently broke through a bit of resistance that may set us off on a little bit of a happy holiday early. So I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, what else are you seeing in the market right now? Just real quick. Hey, just like you said, uh, levels of resistance have finally been broken through. The real question is, is can they persist? Um, if so, I think we could finally see that final uh, leg until we go into the the new year. But hey, fingers crossed, we'll see. I do think, though, it could be um, a dead cat trap if we are not able to break this resistance for Bitcoin. But time will tell. But we have plenty of other things to knock out today. So I'm excited to, to dive into it all. Yeah, it's going to be a really great episode, guys. So make sure that if you are joining us here live, that you're subscribed so you can get the very latest whenever we come live here on YouTube. But also make sure you hit that like button and also jump into the chat. We would love to hear from you during this fantastic live stream that we've got planned for you today. A lot of great stuff ahead. Of course, this is our holiday special. We're wrapping up the year here in style at Cryptocurrent, making sure that we give you not just a little bit of news, but also a look back at the year. So we're doing the Cryptocurrent Live Awards today on the stream as well as giving you a look ahead at what is yet to come next year with our predictions for 2022. They're not just easy, you know, slam dunk predictions. These are bold, hot takes. And of course, we are joined as well by our co-host and producer, Chris Corneros, who will be joining us during the CC Live segment. But for right now, Rich, why don't we go ahead and jump into um, our first segment, if I can actually get it to pop up on screen, it's not going to work with me here. Bear with me. Well, apparently we're having technical difficulties here today. Sorry, guys. 
just bear with me for another second. Rich, why don't you um, do me a favor and catch everybody up on um, what's new with the podcast this week? Who do we have on on Monday and who do we have on Friday? Yeah, so this week in the podcast land, we have uh, two amazing guests for you. We recently did um, the show with uh, Comdex. Really cool projects you uh, definitely want to go check out and learn more about. And this uh, Friday, we actually have um, Act um, Act.io, which is a really cool project that they've been able to pretty much bring everything into the ecosystem that you'd want from being able to buy regular stock and they convert it into crypto and then be able to have a debit card and all this amazing stuff. Unfortunately, it's, it's only for uh, people in Europe right now. I think they're eventually going to hopefully bring that over to the States. We'll see. But their model is pretty robust and amazing. So everyone, make sure you go and check that out, that episode. Awesome. Well, look, we finally got past our technical difficulties. As you can tell, we already broke it down for you, what you can expect on this show. So let's jump in to... The Aftershock. So every Thursday on this show, traditionally, we take you through the Aftershock, the biggest stories that are rocking the crypto world at the time. And this week, because there is not going to be a Thursday show, we decided to bring you the Aftershock early. So we are talking first about Jack Dorsey's post-Twitter opinions that have now landed him on Santa's naughty list. Um, you know, leaning into our crypto theme. So as you can tell here, we have local um, wizard in the garbage can, Jack Dorsey, deciding to come out and go full Bitcoin maxi. What does that mean? Of course, a Bitcoin maximalist is somebody who is strictly on the side of Bitcoin. They don't believe necessarily in Web3 and all the other concepts that we talk about here in the metaverse and in crypto. So what did Jack actually say? Well, the first thing that he went out and said was not actually what you see in the tweet, but it emphasizes the basic sentiment behind it. In a recent interview that came out, I believe yesterday, he went on record and said that he personally believes that Bitcoin will replace the US dollar. Now, normally, I would tell you, okay, that's basic uh, maxi talk. But there's a bigger question we need to answer here, Rich. It's, is this a top signal? Because if you don't recall, back in uh, 2017, one of the top signals was a lot of these celebrities deciding to share their opinions as to whether or not they think that crypto is here to stay. And Cardi B, of all people, decided to sound off an agreement. So she tweeted, do you think crypto is going to replace the dollar? And then, of course, Jack had to respond back, yes, Bitcoin will. And then Samson, start, Samson Mao decided to start mocking Jack. But what do you make of this? Is this a top signal or... Is this valid? Like, is this part of the future for crypto? So I'm going to say yes to both, right? So as we look at Bitcoin and the future of Bitcoin, could it eventually take over the US dollar? I think there's a chance. Does it happen anytime soon? I do not believe so. I think that uh, the US will go kicking and screaming before that moment happens. But all the same, is there a path to the US dollar? dollar being replaced by Bitcoin in the future? Yes. So as of just a blanketed statement, I don't think he's too far off. Now, going to the topic of Cardi B, um, I think it's a very, you know, innocent question of is crypto going to replace the dollar, which I don't believe, you know, she's super into crypto or anything like that, but asking a pretty general question. And every time you start to see a lot of these celebrities jump on the crypto bandwagon, pretty, pretty, Tall tale sign of the top is coming. Now, whether that is in the next couple of days, next couple of weeks, next couple of months, um, who knows? But 
I think that we could be near a top. And it's it's things like this, uh, these kind of new segments that come along that kind of point to it. I happen to agree with you on that. Um, I think that until Cardi B is starting to replace, you know, song titles like WAP with Wag Me, that's when we need to start worrying, right? <laughs> For right now, I'm not worried about Cardi B, but at the same time, I think that Jack's a little bit like off here. Um, I think that it's way over ambitious and like, especially because of what he says about Web3 not being existent or, you know, being at least not what the internet wants you to believe that it is. It's a little bit hypocritical because to think that Bitcoin is going to replace the US dollar as um, our currency in the United States in the near future it's just as outlandish as saying that um, the opposite is, you know, actually happening with Web3. So my bigger point here is that I could see it happening as like the Federal Reserve currency situation globally. But I still see that on a timeline of like 10 to 20 years. You know, it's not like we need to first see the US dollar completely fall out of favor. and. If we keep printing money, that's going to be the case, right? If it inflates to the point where it's no longer viable on a global um, spectrum, like we're toast. That's when yeah. you could see the transition to Bitcoin. Would you agree with that? Yeah, man. Um, it, it's, a, it's a longer, for, for that kind of flip to happen, I do think it's in the next 10 to 20 years as well. I also believe that you would, it's going to be from outside pressure, right? Like you said, it, it'd probably be the digital reserve currency of the world or leaning towards that before we see that kind of flip occur. But I also think there's a lot of hurdles Bitcoin has to overcome before we even get to that point as well. We have a whole lot of market cap we got to go capture. I think it's going to happen. Again, it's just going to take years and years and years to develop. But um, again, time will tell. Yep. I would have to be right there with you. But as I said, Jack not only went on his little Bitcoin maxi tirade, he also went on to join local um, Insane Clown Posse member Elon Musk in talking smack on Web3. So what did they end up going into? Well, <clears throat> Times Person of the Year decided that he wanted to lend his opinion on what he thinks the future looks like by saying, I'm not suggesting that Web3 is real. It seems more like a marketing buzzword than reality right now. He then also wanted to say later today in a joke tweet, like he normally does, has anybody seen Web3? I can't find it. Now, why do we need to be bringing this up? To me, it's really, really simple. You have people out there that believe this type of stuff, that it's not real. And we are here as crypto educators to tell you that there is truth to Web3. It is not smoke and mirrors. It's not a lie. However, what Jack lended to the discussion is you don't own Web3. The VCs and their LPs do. It will never escape their incentives. It's ultimately a centralized entity with a different label. You know what you're getting into. In this, Jack isn't entirely wrong. But until people decide to get into Web3 and start utilizing what it brings, Jack's absolutely right because the VCs will centralize everything around crypto as we see it today, unless people start utilizing it on the broader scale. What do you think about all of this? So Elon is going to do what Elon does, and he's going to stir the pot, right? Um, but I think, you know, to look in between the lines here with this, 
I think this might even be like an indication that like he himself and what the company does could be making a play in that direction in the future. Now, how did I get there? If you go look historically at Elon Musk and the tweets he makes back when Tesla was just coming off the racks and was starting to be built up and, you know, was having all this price action and people thought this dude was insane. And now, of course, Tesla is one of the most uh, profitable companies in the world, especially people who got in early. He would go and do stuff like this where he would go and stir the pot. And he would stir pot in things that he secretly was working on in the background. I think there's a reason why Tesla was one of the first major corporations to take on Bitcoin and then went back and said, you know, went back against it and said, actually, we're not going to do this anymore because of it being green, et cetera. But again, this dude thinks in layers. He thinks way ahead, way in the future about a lot of this stuff. So even though he's throwing the pot on this, I think he's, again, he knows that he can bring attention to two things. And I think he's really trying to help or help. I don't know about help. He is trying to bring attention to Web3. And basically challenge the construct of what Web3 is supposed to be. Because it's just like you said, and what Jack was saying uh, in his tweet is that all these people from Web2, you know, Meta and all these other larger companies that are coming in are going to come and try to put in guardrails across Web3. Instead of it being decentralized, try to make it centralized. And to try to help circumvent that, you bring attention to it. You try to bring a shot, uh, shine a spotlight on it and understand, hey, what's going on here? So again, is he trolling? Yes, but it also is like he in his own secret way potentially trying to shed light on something that could become a bigger issue if not addressed. I think so that I think so too. Yeah, look, I'm not totally sold on that. Um I got I got to just play the contrarian with you for a second. I think that Elon probably is not as much on the side of crypto as he is on the side of making money, right? That's the thing that Elon's about first and foremost. And why? Yeah. Because he needs to fund his mission to Mars. Pretty much a no-brainer there, right? So, yeah. As he's looking at right now, allowing people to start buying Tesla merch with Dogecoin, he's more concerned about the, the currency side. I think that if anything is going to happen with Tesla in, in the crypto world, it's going to be green Bitcoin mining. That's the only thing that I see happening over there. But for right now, I would love to see more of like the crypto community that is gaining notoriety to step out and actually combat this. Because it's been about an entire news cycle since all this started coming up. And I haven't heard a lot of people actually speaking out against it and trying to prove that Web3 is actually here. So that to me is my final word on it. But we want to roll things ahead right now and get right into the CC Live Awards, which is again, our big recap on the year. And the only way that I know how to do that is to bring in co-host and producer, Chris Corneros. Chris, Thanks for joining us. We're glad to have the entire team together on a stream. It's been a while, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, as you can tell, Chris is not joining us from his normal venue. He is at home in Vermont. Uh, but we are very thrilled that he was able to make the time to step away from family to jump into this, the 2021 CC Live Awards. Chris, can you do our like made-up drop that we made for the 2021 CC Live Awards still? Or is oh, that yeah, yeah. I think it was... Uh... Something like uh, 2021 CC Live Awards. Great. There we go. Yeah. Well, there we go. Let's bring this thing back, right? <laughs> so last week on Thursday, we brought you your nominees. And this week, we're going to tell you exactly what each of these categories are real quick before we share with you who was crowned these award winners. So of course, our first category is the digital asset category. Your nominees were Dogecoin, 
USDC, spell token, all la magical internet money. And of course, Olympus Dow. Now, we did ask you in your voting to give us some of your own nominees. So here are a few honorable mentions that came up during our um, voting process online. Also, before we get there, for those of you that voted, thank you so much for helping us to make this CC Live Award special. We do really appreciate you taking the time to fill out that voting form. And in fact, you did make a difference. Yes, you did. That, of course, is um, going to be shown to you first here because who won the digital asset category? Anybody have guesses or um, any front runners that you think may have um, come into the lead here? You know? Well, I know, I know uh, the answer, so I'm not going to speak I, to I, it. I also know the answer, but man, I really, <laughs> I, re I really thought just with all the hype, you know, it might have been Doge, but here we go. Yeah, look, I had high hopes for magical internet money, but... Um, we were stunned to see that a dark horse emerged um, out of the shadows. And that, of course, is Hedera Hashgraph taking 53% of the recorded votes in this category. Um, congrats, Hedera. Congratulations, Hedera Hashgraph. You are officially the digital asset of the year here at the Cryptocurrent Live Awards. Um, guys, any quick thoughts on Hedera as we move forward? Uh, Hedera's really, really cool. Uh, talked to Dr. Lehman Baird earlier in the year. It was a really great interview. Made me a believer in the future of just data storage and how it's going to basically take over over the next decade. So uh, again, I think it's really cool. And they, they have a lot of really good partnerships in the, in the works right now. So not surprised. It's great stuff. Well, look, Hedera, Hedera community, hash graphickers, if you will, we will let you know that your award is in the mail and may in fact be turned into an NFT at some point in the near future. So you may be able to claim it as a POAP on um, the blockchain here shortly. But let's move on to the next category. And this category, of course, was the utility token category. Now, to qualify for the utility token category, Chris, we set out some really specific guidelines. Can you recap that for us real quick? Yeah, so just to give a little background, the digital asset, uh, category. The idea behind that was looking for a coin or a cryptocurrency that inherently is supposed to be a store of value, right? Like a Bitcoin or a Doge, the point is to, well, use it, spend it, and transact with it. Utility tokens, on the other hand, are different, right? The idea here was looking at coins and currencies that holding them is, you know, of course you can transact them, but the idea there is that you can also use them to actually operate on the blockchain. So for example, with Solana, you can use Solana to actually buy NFTs or you know, send information along the blockchain. And that's the key difference. Whereas digital assets were supposed to be stores of value, utility tokens are actually used uh, to interact with that blockchain. Perfect. And of course, as we already started leaning in, your utility token nominees that we gave you were not meant to be the the tokens that you would normally think of, right? We intentionally left out Ethereum, right? Because if we had just left it in, it was going to be a slam dunk. So we went with some of the ones that are more innovative in the category and also, of course, left it open to your write-in nominees and honorable mentions. So those that were already nominated were, of course, Solana, Thorchain, Polygon, and Chainlink. But we had nominations as well for Hedera Hashgraph, who turned out in force. Ripple, aka XRP, 
Polkadot, and Jigstack. So a lot of really great candidates here, but one showed through strongest. Guys, before we reveal who took home utility token of the year, um, did you guys have a favorite in this category? Rich, I'll start with you. Man, mine honestly was going to be between uh, Solana and Thorchain with Solana just inking through just because I've used it and seen how freaking awesome and fast it is. But it's had a lot of hiccups of late. Um, it's, it's, it's broken down twice. And so, you know, we'll see how they, how they bounce back from it. Yep, and you can say the same thing with Thorchain. It had two hacks. Yep. So a lot of different thoughts come to mind on that one as to why those two could have things working against it. But Chris, did you have any thoughts on Polygon, Chainlink, or any of our other write-ins? Yeah, so Polygon is actually what I voted for, uh, mainly just because it's you turned me on to it, Steve. It's an awesome project and I'd say a little unique even compared to the other you know initial nominees that we had. And that's why I really liked it. I think it has a lot of cool applications that are still kind of working in theory now. But I think you know even a year from now, you're going to see that change completely. And that's that's why I really liked it. I think it's going to have a major impact in this upcoming cycle and even upcoming year. Yeah, I have to agree with you on Polygon. I, I think if I'm, if I'm looking back at this properly, I believe I voted for Polygon as well. Um, but that being said, let's jump into who ended up taking it away. And if we have a little drum roll from the crowd, it was, it was actually Polygon. And I was, hey. quite, I was quite surprised by this actually because... Not only um, we had so many votes for Hedera, but 16.7% of the recorded votes went to Polygon. Um, I was kind of surprised at one thing in particular, and Rich, you may actually join me in this surprise. Of all of the votes, Thorchain did not receive one. Wow. Um, By the hacks, man. The hacks probably did them in. It had to have, right? I mean, there, it's too novel of a project for it not to get a single vote, at least in my opinion. But then again, I didn't vote for it. So look, <laughs> that's going to round out utility token. I just thought I'd share that unique little note with you. But let's dive into non-fungibles, right? NFTs have been a hot talking point this past year. And you've, of course, seen a handful of these nominees um, in the narrative. You have Art Blocks and Super Rare. Pixel Vault, which is known for MetaHero Universe identities and even their um, the Pixel Vault Founders DAO token. Then, of course, you had Neo Tokyo bursting onto the scene. And then Kevin Smith uh, released the Jane Silent Bob's um, Smoke and Tokens in line with the upcoming release of Clerks 3. But the community had more to say. They had four write in nominees that kind of started to show up. You had Immortals. You had Board Ape Yacht Club, V Friends, and even Bull Market Girlfriends, who's a, a good friend of the show. So, guys, this is a really unique setup. So, I'm curious if you guys had favorites in the category or if you think that one likely just pulled ahead. So, Chris, I'll start in reverse. What did you think? Um, so, my personal favorite was actually Neo Tokyo. I thought. You know, after looking into it a lot more, the way that they did their launch was unlike anything else we've seen in the space. So that was a huge positive for me. But since their launch, right, the, a lot of the partnerships they've done, kind of weaving their way into pop culture, has just been incredible. 
And I've personally voted for Neo Tokyo just because it was, it's just so different and unique compared to the rest of these, I think. And that's why I just loved it. Um, but curious to see what you have to say, Richard. Yeah, man. I, um, our blocks is, I think, pretty massive in the sense of like how much just artistic value that they're bringing. Um, and I'm sure I stole Steven's pick, but I'll let him expand on it. But like the other two that I think would have been cool if we like had on list and I'm glad they were written in was just the Board 8 Yacht Club and Be Friends. Man, like what Board 8 Yacht's been able to accomplish this year is pretty re- remarkable. Um, and the, the community that they're building is is a really cool model that I think a lot of people are going to copy. And then V Friends, just Gary Vanderchuk is just freaking genius as it relates to marketing and creating value for people. So, I mean, I think those are two solid projects as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if one of those two won. Is... Yeah. And look, I think that when I look at the write-ins, again, I want to emphasize this. It's not that we didn't mean to nominate the people that were written in earlier. Of course, like, you know, we would have immediately said Board API Club and V Friends should be amongst the initial nominees, but they were a slam dunk. Like, if we put them in there, it would have been like a 75% turnout on vote. Um, just because, again, you don't initially see the names that are really innovating in the space. Not that V Friends and Board Ape are not innovating the space, but they are seen as the forerunners. So, um, quick tip of the cap to V Friends. I just saw the lineup for VCon yesterday and it made me really consider spending eight ethereum to go and get a v friend um that to me on its own is kind of gross because i could never conceptualize spending eight ethereum for anything um but in terms of who we have nominated here i will tell you like for sure art blocks has a very special place in my heart but i need to point out what super is doing because in the same way that art blocks is providing a platform for generative artists that is unlike any other platform out there. Super Rare is providing a platform for one-of-one art. And that, to me, is tremendous. Because again, both of these platforms are providing a new way for artists to get compensated for their work that they were never able to get before. Um, you know, it, it used to be a massive labor for artists to get paid. And now we're starting to actually give them new pathways to monetization. So um, both platforms are great. Um, and I think we should run into revealing the winner. So your winner for this the 2021 CC Live Award for non-fungible token of the year is Artblocks. Artblocks had 21% of the recorded votes this year. Um, and we are thrilled to say that we will be having this award in the mail to you soon, recorded on the blockchain. Guys, any final thoughts on Art Blocks before we move forward? If you don't know much about it, go research it. They're doing some really, really cool stuff in the space. Definitely. They just actually released the um, sneak peek at the first Art Blocks curated drop for the year. I highly recommend that you go check it out. Um, it is going to be unbelievable. So let's carry this thing forward onto our next category, the Certified Shitcoin of the Year. Um, this is a category that we were very proud of around here at um, Cryptocurrent because we know that there are plenty of DGEN plays out there, but none are grosser than the certified shitcoins of the year. Your nominees were, of course, Safe Moon. Sorry, nearly puked a little bit. Um, Shiba Inu, Dogelon Mars, and crowd favorite, Kamarocket. 
There were, of course, write-in nominees and honorable mentions that you are probably very familiar with. You have Dogecoin, Mongoose Coin, favor of Brad Sherman in the um, U.S. House of Representatives, Ethereum, <laughs> which Chris loves, and Cardano, which everyone who loves Ethereum loves. So guys, taking a look at this, what do you think of um, our write-ins and what you see on screen? I think it's hilarious that Ethereum and Cardano are on this list just with the market caps that they have. But hey, I mean, Shiba Inu has an amazing market cap too. So here we are. Um, you know, I really, of all of these, I really just think about like which one was meant to be like absolutely a meme coin and kind of got people got rug, rugged. So for that, I went with Doge Loan, uh, a, a Doge Lawn. Mars, like legitimately, it's Dogecoin, but Elon Musk and talking about Mars. Like someone like literally just woke up one day, said, here's an idea, let's put it together and put it on a coin. And it made a lot of people a lot of money. And then when it crashed, it made lost a lot of people a lot of money. So like, you know, that's that's my pick. Chris, what do you think? So I actually went for <laughs> Shiva Inu just because of one of the crypto moments of the year. I realized that in the vein of making people a lot of money on something that is inherently worthless, Shiba Inu kind of takes the cake there. And we will obviously get into more of that later. But the reality is, is all of these are shit coins. And honestly, I'm a little bummed that I didn't write in Ethereum or Cardano because that's pretty funny. And I don't disagree too much. Also, because it riles Steve up a little. And that's always fun, isn't it? I mean, look, it, it always makes my week whenever I get to the point where like I start seeing red. Um, but I'm trying to find the actual name of it because I can't seem to recall it off the top of my head and I'm going to just give up on it. But I really wanted SafeMoon to win this. <laughs> like I really did. It is based off of... It was, a, it was a hard fork slash copy of a project that came out in like 2017 that was just horribly written. I mean, the code behind it was god-awful. The crew behind SafeMoon practically rebranded it, rolled it out, and even got the likes of um, the head of Barstool to endorse it. Um, then, of course, you had a massive expose done by the team over at BitBoy Crypto. They ripped it to shreds and basically pointed out every single exploit that still exists in the protocol. Um, if you want to call something a shitcoin... That, to me, qualifies is a project that is explicitly there to steal your money. Um, so hats off to you, SafeMoon. But of course, um, we have one winner, not eight. And your winner for Certified Shitcoin of the Year here at the CC Live Awards is Shiba Inu, taking 42% of the recorded vote. Um, that on its own is pretty remarkable, in my opinion. Um, guys, any final thoughts on Shiba Inu? You know, as much as it was meant to be a meme coin, it's just, it's just made a lot of people money. So, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it. I don't know. Just, uh, you know, j just wait until we get to the moment of the year. <laughs> That's for sure. I mean, again, guys, look, Shiba Inu led the way in being a shit coin that is now being used for something. There are others that followed the same exact model. UFO gaming was originally a shitcoin that was taken over by its community and repurposed into something that is now meaningful. 
Um, that doesn't mean you can't rise out of the shit and, you know, kind of be the poo phoenix. But um, that's kind of the analogy I'm going to go with on this one. But let's move into our next category before I start making terrible, terrible analogies that will leave most of our audience um, baffled. Our next category is the debut of the year, otherwise known as the new kid on the block. We had four nominees for this. We had ENS, which is the Ethereum name service, um, basically domains on the blockchain to get you an easier way to remember um, an Ethereum address. You had Superfarm from the team over at Elio Trades. You have Mina Protocol, which is the smallest blockchain in existence in terms of the overall size that it, that it takes to load the chain. And then Tom Brady's Autograph.io, um, arguably the leading NFT platform for sports collectibles right now. Other write-in nominees in the new kid on the block category included Mongoose Coin. You can't have a category without Mongoose Coin, in my opinion. Wonderland <laughs> Time, Immutable X, and Genie.xyz, who just today announced their official visual um, brand identity rebrand. Um, I got to tell you guys, if you haven't heard of Genie XYZ, please go look that up. That is going to likely end up being the future of um, aggregated purchasing of NFTs. Um, I am really, really impressed with their tech. Um, I've seen people sweep specific project floors using it. It's really, really legit. Um, but outside of my opinions about um, write-in nominees, what do you guys think about what we had on the new kid on the block? Or is there any that you think needed to be included that weren't? Yeah. So honestly, my uh, you know my initial reaction to the nominees we had was you know ENS is a no-brainer, Super Farm also a no-brainer. Mina's compression is really cool, and I knew nothing about Autograph. Steve, you told me about Autograph, and then I did some digging, and I was blown away by everything they've done. It's actually just incredible, you know, the level of access and kind of the just everything with the project is so incredible, like the level of it, I guess, right? Like you have super high quality with everything they're doing. They're bringing in top people from all across sports and entertainment. And I was just floored by autograph. That being said, ENS obviously is an incredible project. The name drop alone, I think we, what we guessed it would be about a $10,000 average name drop or uh, airdrop, right, Steve? Yeah, I mean, look, the fact that their airdrop came out as hard hitting as it did um, still has a lot of people scratching their head wondering what is going on in the world. Uh, but Richard, what do you think about um, the nominees? Were there any that stood out? For me, um, ENS and autographs stood out, but a write-in uh, really stuck out um, for me, and that's the, the Wonderland. And uh, we've talked about it on the show a couple times. Um, Wonderland is a wonderful place if you can get in and... Um, I don't think it's what they're producing right now. I don't know if it's going to be there forever, but while it's there, it's pretty, pretty sick. Um, so yeah, that was one that caught my attention, but ultimately I, I think ENS potentially could run away with this one. Yeah. I, what I will say is this, is that I think that if this award show happened maybe two to three weeks later, um, Super Farm would have run away with it because right now Super Farm is on the precipice of rolling out what I have been told 
is an actual legitimate competitor to OpenSea um, that is operating specifically utilizing uh, um, Immutable X's protocol. So you kind of have a two for here in the new kid on the block category. Um, But your winner for the new kid on the black block of the year for the 2021 CC Live Awards is in a runaway ENS recording 27.5% of the votes. Um, Look, guys, this one to me was a no-brainer. I want to make sure that we, again, are giving all of our nominees the credit they deserve for being in this category. But when you come out hitting the way that ENS did with their airdrop, and also like not just like having an airdrop, but having one of the easiest-to-use governance systems I've ever encountered makes all sorts of sense as to why they are respected as, as they are in the industry right now, but also why they ran away with this one. Um, any other thoughts you guys have on what's going on over at ENS? Wish I would have bought one. I think I had a chance and just said, nah, this can't be that special. And again, just a reminder that everything we say on here is not financial advice, but also another reminder that sometimes when you have some conviction and you hear you hear saying you hear things in multiple times that people are like, hey, you should check this out. You should probably check it out. So if you ever hear us say something like multiple times on this show, it's probably worth checking out. Yep. Totally agree with you on that one. The one thing I will add on ENS is guys, just because the airdrop already happened doesn't mean that you shouldn't go and try and pick up your own ENS domain. Um, .eth domains make transacting on Ethereum a lot easier. Um, so please do yourself that favor. And again, that's not a financial advice because again, buying an ENS don- uh, domain has nothing to do with finance. It just has to do with it's really, really cool to have to link that up to your own wallet. Um, so let's move into what honestly should probably be at the end of the show, right? This is the project of the year. Um, project of the year is... Like if you go to the Grammys, like typically you're gonna see the album of the year as the very final award. But we decided to put this in the middle because frankly, we're too excited. We want to get there, right? We want to be able to feature the projects that are dope. So right now, your project of the year nominees were Avalanche, Helium, OpenSea, Axie Infinity, Yuga Labs, the team behind Board Ape Yacht Club, and four write-in nominees. Adara Hashgraph, NFT.com, Artifact, who was just acquired by Nike, and The Sandbox. Guys, like this year has been huge for crypto. Okay, no joke there. Like we're all very aware. All of these projects did some insane stuff this year. Um, NFT.com clearly had a lot of support behind it. Adara came in really hard. Um, but you have just an insane amount of progress in Helium that Chris talks about every week. You had a lot of stuff going on on Avalanche that people have a ton of respect for. The volume happening on OpenSea. Axie Infinity breaking records on records on records and creating micro-economies. Um, there's so much to be said of all of these nominees. So what is one thing that you would say about your favorite, Rich. Again, all of these are gems and could all in their own right be the project of the year. Uh, the one that just like my, my pick that I personally went for um, on this one was Helium, just because what they're, what they're setting out to accomplish is pretty remarkable. 
And the fact that they're rolling out as quickly as they have, and we're not even well, like I'll get to price action as the final thing, but like they are creating their own network, essentially low RAN network that eventually elevate. They're going to help build out five G network. They're going to build out low RAN network. Um, they're going to eventually allow people to like use the data for like very comprehensive um, stuff. You can mine this stuff. Like I got in over a year ago, back when it was under a dollar, it got to an all-time high of $50. Like there's just so much cool, awesome things happening in the Helium ecosystem that like I just, it just stands out way too much for me. And uh, not to, again, the rest of these projects have done amazing. They've made a lot of people um, in their own rights, depending on which, why you're looking at this as a project of the year, whether it's monetary, whether it's um, for the overall good of the ecosystem or whether it's for community, each one has their own valid way. I think Helium checks all the boxes. And that's why I'm going with that. Chris, tell me a little bit about your number two pick because we already know you voted for Helium. Yeah. Yeah. For pretty much every reason Richard gave, I voted for Helium. And for first-time listeners, go watch some of our old content. I try to weave in as much Helium as I can because I am in love with the project. But my number two pick, honestly probably would have been Yuga Labs, the creators behind Board Ape Yacht Club. Reason being that either they or just the NFT slash crypto community in general found a way to make, I'd say one of the more fringe, you know, originally fringe cases of crypto and NFTs mainstream. And mainstream to a level that I don't think anyone saw coming, where, you know, crypto punks obviously kind of included in that, but I'd say just the way that you see all these major public figures, you know, celebrities, athletes, however you want to talk about someone, all of them just essentially fighting with each other to have a picture of a cartoon monkey as their Twitter profile is incredible. And just that level of integration with pop culture, mainstream media has done you know, wonders, right? At the end of the day, people are going to kind of complain about NFT this, NFT that, or I can save your image. But the reality is, is it's now part of the conversation. And because you have these, you know, idols, people looking up to fully backing it and wanting them, it more normalizes it. And I think it's accelerating crypto adoption to a level that we didn't expect for a few years. Yeah, I would have to agree. Um, I think that honestly, Yuga Labs to me was an easy, easy pick. But I, I ended up going with Avalanche um, as my own personal vote. The, there's no blockchain doing what they're doing. Um, the, the logic and the methodology that they're choosing to roll into their blockchain is completely unparalleled. It's almost like literally looking at a Helix model of having three chains um, doing different things to serve the overall all blockchain. I was fascinated by that. I think that it is the most innovative um, project out there, but you cannot deny what Yuga Labs has done with Board Ape Yacht Club. They're creating not only value for the people that own Board Apes and Mutant Apes and Board Ape Kennel Club, but they are effectively ingraining themselves in modern culture um, in a way that no other NFT project has done, except for maybe Artifact. Because again, having gotten just acquired by Nike is no small feat, pun intended. But let's get into um, the winner of this year's Project of the Year Award for CC Live. And that is, in an absolute stunner, OpenSea. 
taking home 15% of the recorded votes. Everything about this, guys, it felt bad to me. I'm like, this is the one time that like I'm in a Kanye Open Seas Award because guys, everyone hates Open Sea right now. They hate them ethically from a just across the board user experience standpoint. They hate OpenSea. So like I got to give it up for my girl, Yuga Labs, right? Like she is clearly the one that needed to be um, the award winner this year. But I have to respect the voters of OpenSea and make sure that they know they won this award. Um, any final thoughts on Project of the Year before I walk off stage and um, get a pair of Yeezys? Hey, haters going to hate. Um, open C, you got to give respect where it's due. The, what they've been able to accomplish volume-wise is unbelievable. Uh, we report on Open C all the time about the type of volumes that they've been able to do each month, each quarter, each year. Like this has been an insane year of growth for Open C. And you know, shout out to them. They like, even though they've done a lot of messed up stuff, you can't you can't deny the numbers they put up. So like, if you're just going straight up by numbers, I get why Open C won. Yeah, Nate Chastain, that's looking at you. Um, Chris, any thoughts on OpenSea before we go forward? No, I think y'all covered it. And honestly, it makes a little sense to me, right? Like as much as Yuga has done, at the end of the day, OpenSea is the easiest way to you know transact NFTs. So it does make sense. And it also, you know, the company behind the project aside, the project itself has done wonders for NFTs in particular in the crypto space. The last thing that I will add on this one is this was one of the closest margins of victory. Um, I think they actually took it by literally one vote. Um, so again, hats off to anybody else that was contending in this category. I can tell you from review of the data that Hedera contended heavily. Um, I believe Helium contended very, very closely. And uh, Yuga Labs, I believe, was fourth. Um, so very, very interesting stuff here in the project of the year. But congratulations to OpenSea. And again, not to play down what they've done, uh, they are creating the narrative for what NFT exchanges are going to be in the future, um, whether they're the leader for long or not. So hats off to you, OpenSea, Cryptocurrent Live Award winner for project of the year. Our next category is an absolute team favorite, and that is the biggest L of the year. Um, otherwise known as the FML category. So we had four fantastic nominees for this um, as we went into voting. First of which was none other than the individual who sold their board ape for 0.75 ETH in recent weeks um, because they didn't understand how to move a decimal point. Then you had um, those who did not sell Dogecoin before Elon appeared on Saturday Night Live. The one that I'm least excited about in this category is Steve and Chris missing the boat on Spell Token after we covered it in a cryptocurrent live stream about two months ago, three months ago now, um, before it went on its incredible tear. And then last but not least, we also had the Squid Game Token rug pull nominated. But as with most of our categories here, we had some write-ins and honorable mentions to give. First, of course, um, surprising? I don't think so. Not buying Mongoose coin. Uh, that was truly an L on the year. Craig Wright getting off with a minimal charge as opposed to being charged with the crimes that he actually committed. 
Ethereum gas fee um, record blowing past a thousand guay. And then, of course, <laughs> Chris's favorite, crypto chads getting dunked on by Reddit furries. Guys, I love this category. I love this category a lot. Um, Chris, was that you that wrote in crypto chads getting dunked on by Reddit's furries or was that not you? That wasn't me. I actually voted for the for the board ape misclick or mistype. But shout out to whoever did that because I pined very hard to get that included as a nominee because it was a hilarious social media exchange. Yeah, it was a trip. Um, Richard, did you did you try to troll um, Chris and I by voting for Stephen? Chris missed the boat on spell token, or did you have a, a different opinion? You know, as funny as that was and is, um, I actually took a different approach because uh, I was telling you all about this really cool show I watched called Squid Games and how I binge watched this as one of the first shows I've binge watched in a very long time because I thought it was that good. So of course, getting on this hype, all these people seeing all this, they're like, oh, let's just create a token. And all these people came in and just threw money at it and it rug pulled. You want to talk about an L? You want to talk about the quickest way in crypto to to ape into something and then catch the L for not doing it. That was it. So that got my vote. Well, it should come as very little surprise. But your winner for the biggest L of this year is in fact the Squid Game token rug pull, taking home <laughs> a staggering 41% of the recorded votes. Um, I'm going to speed things along here and get us into our next category, guys. But what I will tell you is if you are a listener of this show and you want to understand a little bit more about the Squid Game um, token rug pull and why it was such a big deal, all you have to do is search YouTube and look for the video where um, the guy is reacting to being rug pulled with the Squid Game token. Um, our next category is the best non-fungible friends. These, of course, are individuals who we saw as the people who were massive catalysts for the NFT space on the year. Um, the NFT space, of course, gained tremendous notoriety across the year. And these people are, in large part, um, at least do some respect for what they've contributed. Your nominees were Gary Vaynerchuk, Beeple, Xcopy, Fuocious, People Pleaser, and Cosmo de Medici, aka maybe potentially Snoop Dogg. <laughs> Guys, who do you have um, as your best not fungible friend? And do you think that we may ever have them on the show? You know, with enough persistence, I think we have a shot. Um, but hey, one one can dream. Uh, and speaking to everyone on this list for sure. But it, to me, it came down to two people: as Gary Vaynerchuk or Beeple. Uh, Beeple, of course, you know, has like the most expensive NFT ever sold. Uh, shout out to him and whoever bought that for having that kind of bread. Cool. <laughs> cool on you. And then Gary V was just, you know, the amount of... I spoke about him earlier. I will continue to speak about him. He's definitely a really good advocate for the world of crypto. And he's creating value um, and, and helping other people create value with their own potential NFT. So Gary V had, has gotten my pick. Chris, what do you think? So I went with the other one and I actually went with Beeple. Um, interestingly enough, it's actually more of him as an artist. And I thought it was cool. I you know, looked into kind of his portfolio, his social media presence. And interestingly enough, and I learned this recently, he has like committed and stuck to 
he makes like a new design or piece of art every single day and uploads it. And to me, that's just a incredible work ethic. Like that is a grind I could never imagine. But B, it also just kind of keeps him relevant as an artist outside of NFTs. And I think that's something that NFT artists and aspiring NFT artists should keep in mind, right? Like, it's all well and good if you have the coolest work in the world. But if you're not putting out new content for people to discover you by or appreciate, you're going to fall off eventually. And people's hustle just kind of inspired me. I couldn't not vote for him. Yeah, I mean, look, it's pretty hard to not think to yourself, it's got to be Gary Vee or people, right? But I want to take at least one second to acknowledge all of these other people in this category. Because you have XCopy who sold the second most expensive piece behind people. And by the way, also the fourth, sixth, and seventh most expensive pieces behind people. This guy like is seen as a pioneer in the crypto art space. And his pieces are, or sorry, their pieces, because we don't know if it's a man or a woman or a they, um, their pieces are going to be immortalized in this space well into the future. Fuocious, phenomenal artist, is a teenager. Let's take a second to acknowledge that. He's, he's a teenager, okay? We're not even likely seeing what this kid's potential is yet. And he's already one of the leaders in this space. People Pleaser made it into Forbes 30 under 30 this year. Is the founder behind the, um, I think it's the People Pleaser DAO or the Pleaser DAO. And also is a phenomenal artist in her own right and an advocate for the space. Cosmo de Medici. Whether you are Snoop Dogg or not, Cosmo de Medici, you have one of the most phenomenal portfolios in the space. And you are advocating for it constantly. Um, these are all phenomenal influencers in the space. The one that I wish made the list, and I'll be honest with you guys, I'm kind of sad that we didn't have him on the list, is Punk6529. Um, Punk6529, for those that don't know, need to go look him up on Twitter and refer to his threads. Um, 6529 has some of the most educational and inspiring threads in the space, especially regarding non-fungibles. But enough of that. Let's see who won. Drumroll, please. Your winner for the CC Live Award for Best Non-Fungible Friend is not a friend, but friends. We had an absolute tie with 50% of the recorded votes being split between Beeple and Gary V. So congratulations, Beeple and Gary V. We will try to split this award in half so that at the very least is shared. Right? I'm not sure we can make two. <laughs> I mean, I guess you can fractionalize NFTs now, right? Could You could fractionalize. Perfect. Well, let's move into our next category. The person of the year. Um, I am really quite frankly excited for this, um, but I want to know who you guys had as front runners um, before we unveil who took home the award for, pe for person of the year. For me, it was um, Danielle with Avalanche. Um, and man, just straight up, Anthony Pomp's been an advocate in the space for a long time. And it's cool to see, um, you know, how much uh, more his uh, voice has weight in the space right now. So those are, those are my two. Chris, what do you have? 
So for me, uh, again, I was between Daniela uh, with Avalanche, but also Melten, uh, Demeror. Again, no idea how to pronounce her name. I'm sorry if you see this, but here we are anyways. Um, and I actually ended up going with her just because I did that series of videos uh, about the CNN article, which was trying to answer you know 11 basic questions in cryptocurrency. And she was actually one of the experts they brought in. And so I had to give her the nod because... CNN has been far from friendly, I'd say, to crypto in general. And she just gave great answers, was a great representative of the community as a whole. And hats off to her because crypto could use a lot more, you know, well-spoken allies. Yeah. And look, I think that while we really want her to be on the show, um, you butchering her name is probably going to tank any chance of that. Um, but Meltem <laughs> Demirs, please forgive Chris for not knowing how to pronounce your name. Um, my pick, guys, was really simple. Um, I ended up going with Senator Cynthia Loomis. I think that she's the greatest advocate for crypto that we have in um, the United States Congress. Um, rep from Wyoming, she's doing tremendous things, made it so that um, DAOs are the officially recognized as a business structure in the state of Wyoming. Um, and it's the first state to do that. So um, I have to give the tip of the cap to her on that. But we had other fantastic people of the year nominated this year, um, especially just acknowledging where they're coming from. Raul Paul um, was, not was, is the founder and CEO of Real Vision, who's doing a ton of educational content around crypto. Ayami Yaguchi, for those that do not know, is the executive director of the Ethereum Foundation, who is basically um, paving the way for us to arrive at Ethereum 2.0 on time. And of course, Daniela Sesta, who is behind Popsicle Finance, Spell Token, Magical Internet Money, Wonderland Finance, like 15 other projects, and potentially soon, Sushi Swap, and making them a multi-chain project that actually has a decent vision. Um, but without further ado, Cryptocurrent Live's Person of the Year is not a person. It is persons. Tied with 25% of the recorded votes. Person of the year went to Daniela Sesta and Raul Paul. Guys, break this down for me. Is does this make sense to you? Um, because altogether, again, all these people totally deserved it. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the the crowd has spoken. Uh, both are very deserving of this award. Um, it's very interesting. Like, and again, we we had a, a lot of people um, that ended up uh, doing this vote. And the fact that we landed directly square in the middle, obviously we we could be biased and pick one as a team, but we decided that um, we let the people speak. And if the people say that two people won, two people won. So congrats to both of you. And uh, yeah. Chris, any final thoughts? I think Richard hit it perfectly. Awesome. Well, Richard, because you're so good at hitting it perfectly, we're going to carry this thing forward. Let's get into my favorite category. Crypto enemy number one. Your nominees, of course, were Elon Musk, the troll of trolls, Senator Elizabeth Karen Warren, Representative Brad Sherman, the troll and slash elf of the U.S. House of Representatives, Peter Schiff, who believes that gold is the only option, Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett, who are not sure where they are half the time, and last but not least, Gary Gensler, the... Marshmallow, as I called him on a prior episode of the SEC. Guys, talk to me about this one. Chris, you know that all these people are actively campaigning to be the villain of crypto. What, like, 
what do you make of it all? Well, it, uh, interestingly enough, I'd say they all have something in common. I feel like we could split them almost into thirds where you have Sherman and Karen are kind of in their own third. You have Peter Schiff, uh, as well as Warren Buffett and his uh, GIMP are also in their own third. Then you have Elon Musk and Gary are kind of off in their own world, I guess. But for me, the the dead the dead winner, probably interestingly enough, not Brad Sherman, but Senator Karen, because and I voted for her mainly because I think she has a more public persona. She's a lot of people that are going to blindly listen to her and follow anything she has to say. So I I had to go with her. But God, these people just. They're so anti-crypto that it's not even ignorance at this point. They're actively trying to be ignorant and it is just weird to see unfold. And these are just not people you want to... They're not people that you want to maintain their influence they currently have in the sphere in any way. That's all, That's how I'll leave it. I mean, look, Senator Elizabeth Warren is clearly the incompetent person's um, Hillary Clinton. Um, and I like going forward, we'll always view her as Senator Karen. Um, she's made that mark on me. It's, it's indelible. Um, Rich, what do you think? Is there anyone that stood out in particular to you? You know, it's a two for one on this one. It's, uh, you know, Charlie and Warren, uh, since they're on the same ballot. I'm, but for me, more than anything, it's Warren Buffett. Like the amount of money this man could have made had he had the insight to see that when the crypto's valid, Bitcoin is here to stay. Um, it would have also opened the floodgates for institutional players to want to get in sooner. And there's definitely a resistance to not getting into crypto because of it. And yeah, I just, the, the reason I'm just putting it as this is crypto is inevitable and the path to mass adoption. When I look at, and I look at all these, you know, different nominees as we look at mass adoption, that's how I kind of landed on this is that like, I feel like he has helped prevent mass adoption happening sooner. And like with the flip of a switch, if all of a sudden he said, actually, I'm going to get into this thing now. It would open the floodgates a lot faster. So that's why I went with that choice. Yeah, look, I think that all of them have a case. I mean, Gary Smeagol Ginsler um, has a special place under the bridge to me. Um, I really do believe that Gary is just vying for his seat as Secretary of the Treasury in the future. I think that's the only reason he's doing what he's doing. Um, but to me, I can't help but, you know, avoid voting for Peter Schiff because his son has out-earned him this year because he's believed in crypto the entire time. Um, so to me, I think that Chris is dead on. Um, but let's go ahead and reveal who crypto enemy number one is according to the fans. Because who cares about what we say? The fans voted and they've decided that the award for crypto enemy number one this year belongs to none other than Senator Elizabeth Warren. This was a landslide vote, guys. Um, and honestly, I really liked that picture when it was a lot smaller on screen. Yeah, she's really given me uh, Emperor Palpatine vibes there. Like, I think she's just about to throw a bunch of chairs at at Yoda or any other short member of the United States legislative body, as well as maybe sprinkle a little lightning out of the tips of her uh, properly manicured fingers. 
Chris, you always keep it fresh, man. Richard, any final thoughts on uh, Senator Karen before we carry on? On to the next. All right. The next category is our off the chain moment of the year. We had a couple of really great things happen in crypto this year. And by couple, I mean dozens, but we brought it back to three. Um, You of course had the three crypto YouTubers who all managed to surpass a million subscribers this year. Um, Coin Bureau being the biggest of them, which is now up at 1.75 million subs. Then you have Altcoin Daily and BitBoy. Then you have the... uh, moment where an individual reflected back on his Shiba Inu portfolio, discovering that his $8,000 investment that he made a couple years back is now worth $5 billion. Then you have Crypto.com and FTX securing the naming rights to two arenas, first of which being the Staples Center for Crypto.com and then the Miami Heats Arena in um, South Beach, Miami for FTX. You had Michael Saylor buying what I call all of the Bitcoin. Max Kaiser yelling out at Bitcoin 2021 on stage, I'm not effing selling. And then El Salvador making Bitcoin legal tender. Um, Any thoughts on this category, guys, before we announce the winner of the off the chain moment of the year? All of these are pretty crucial moments of the year. I think El Salvador in my head is the clear winner because it's a huge step for for crypto. But man, the amount of money crypto.com and FTX is putting into sports, which as everyone knows, everyone watches sports. And if you constantly see something over and over again, uh, you start to get curious on what is that. And so just literally by having their brands in front of a lot of the eyes across not just the US, but the world, it's going to bring more curiosity towards crypto and people want to find a way. So I think that's huge. And then of course, man, could you imagine, just just imagine this, you, you invested $8,000 and one year later, you're a billionaire. Like, you could pitch that story to a Hollywood director and no one would buy it. But this happened in real life. It's just, it's unreal. And that's crypto for you. That's why crypto's out here changing lives. Yeah, it's wild. Oh, yeah. That, that's the exact reason I voted for Shiba as the shitcoin of the year was if that doesn't summarize how ridiculous shitcoins can be in terms of their value changing for no reason... I don't know what else does. Shout out to that guy because he had all of the media coverage in the world about how he made essentially the greatest single trade of all time. So insane. But just to put in... So that's actually what I voted for. But to put in perspective, my number two would probably be the crypto YouTubers surpassing a million subscribers. And to just put this in perspective, right? There are... I'd looked this up recently. There are about 37 million total YouTube channels. Of those, only 22,000 have at least a million subscribers. So that is five hundredths approximately of a percent of all YouTube channels have hit that mark. So that's an incredible accomplishment. But also for them to be the first three in the crypto space to do it, which has been, you know, heavily kind of censored or anti-algorithmed to some degree on pretty much all platforms is incredibly impressive. I mean, look, you can't forget that, right? I mean, crypto is still being suppressed. It does not matter whether it's on YouTube, in the media, or just in search engines, right? It's constantly being suppressed. And the fact that you have three breakout influencers conquering that is huge. Um, But there are going to be more. I think it's a really important thing to note. Um, What I will say is that my vote this year was really, really simple. 
And that's because crypto.com and FTX have effectively made their way into the pop culture zeitgeist. That is so crucial for this industry going forward. Um, and the fact that nobody stood in their way in terms of taking arena naming rights, it's going to be huge for us going forward. But let's reveal who won the off-the-chain moment of the year for the Cryptocurrent Live Awards. Your winner was, in a very chispas moment, Felicidades El Salvador. Congratulations on being the off-the-chain moment of the year for making Bitcoin legal tender. And of course, sealing 43% of recorded votes. Your close second was in fact the Shiba Inu um, moment that we featured just a moment ago. Um, but honest to God, Naib Bukele, like seriously, this is insane news. Um, the fact that this happened during Bitcoin 2021, the fact that I managed to get it out within the first five minutes of it actually happening in terms of like our Twitter, quick shameless plug, please follow at CryptoCurrent. Uh, we like to break news as it's happening. Boom. Um, what do you guys think? Um, is this the right winner? Because in my opinion, there really was like no question. Yes. Put it on the map. And you want to talk about like basically what Jack Dorsey said, like this is the first step. It is. Yeah, yeah it really is. Um, there's no question to that. I think that we're only a few months away from hearing another announcement of this ilk. But Let's close things out for this year's Cryptocurrent Live Awards. Guys, it's been so much fun doing this award show with you. I really appreciate it. And um, to those of you that are listening, not just on the um, YouTube channel right now as we're doing this live, but to those of you that are listening on the recast, thank you for joining us for this. It's been a pleasure. It's been an honor. We are into our last category. That is the Cryptocurrent Interview of the Year. Um, these are some of our audience's favorite interviews that we have done across the year. Featuring the likes of Eric Voorhees from Shapeshift, Dr. Lehman Baird from Hedera, um, Brett King, who is otherwise known as the godfather of fintech, the author of The Rise of Technosocialism, BitBoy Crypto himself, Ben Armstrong, Erica Gemma, otherwise known as Bank of Erica on all social media platforms, Zeneca33, aka Roy, who joined us on a Cryptocurrent Live, the very first interview we've ever done live. Um, Joe Rabin from Mandala Exchange, Mark Anstead, friend of the show, from Numio, Julian Sawyer from Bitstamp, and the illustrious Ken Bozak on NFTs and the future of crypto, which we did just making sure that everybody remembers this in a, limb, in a, in a Porsche that was turned into an NFT. Incredible memory there. Um, I will sold never for over a million dollars. Yep, that Porsche sold for over a million dollars as an NFT at auction. Crazy stuff. Um, Richard, I'm not going to ask you because you're biased. Very. Chris, did any of these stand out to you? Yeah, so I actually think I was stuck between two and I honestly don't remember which I voted for. But first up, Joe Rabin. Uh, that was a really cool interview, but more so what Mandala Exchange is doing is incredible. Um, I don't want to get too much into it now, but definitely go check out not only that interview, but also just look into the exchange itself. It's really cool. And honestly, I would not be surprised if you know we hear more about them in mainstream, you know, kind of media within crypto at least coming up soon. And then obviously the other one I thought about was 
Dr. Lehman Baird because what Hedera has done is equally as impressive, if not more so. So just two awesome, awesome interviews. I love both. And also major shout out to the Hedera community. You guys came out in force to vote on this um, and also gave a lot of love when we first aired that interview. So shout out to you guys. Thanks for being such great supporters, active members of the show. Um, and hopefully we'll have Lehman on again eventually when he's not, you know, busy changing the world. Yeah, if that ever really, you know, comes to pass in terms of him not being busy. Um, I will tell you guys, like, to me, we've had a lot of really incredible stuff happen over here at CryptoCurrent across the year. Um, we were fortunate to just get done reviewing those internally. Um, and we're really proud of the content that we put out this year. So um, to say that any one of these could be the top, is an understatement. There's a lot of other great people that should be in this list, but we strictly followed the data. Um, we looked at the actual viewership, the listenership, and also the commentary. You know, we went via the analytics to pick out these 10 nominees. Um, so big hats off to everybody who came on Cryptocurrent this year. We appreciate you. Um, my one comment that I will give is to two in particular. Um, I am not going to reveal who I voted for. First of which, Mark Anstead. Um, what Numio is doing in terms of providing a wallet that is easily access accessing ZK rollups is absolutely groundbreaking. So big hats off to him and the team over at Numio. Um, I'm a huge fan of their tech. I think that that interview was very enlightening and you should all go back and listen to it. And then I really do want to take a second and give a tip of the cap to Erica Gemma. Um, she is representing our space in so many incredible ways, but especially um, as a female influencer in the space, we need more we we need more women in this space. And if you are are a female influencer or a female founder or a female um, innovator in crypto, we would love to have you on the show. Um, we want to feature more female voices and continue to give equitable representation. So. Um, a huge tip of the cap to you, Erica. I love what you have to say. And honestly, getting a chance to sit down with her at Miami Crypto Experience was incredible. Um, she's brilliant. Um, but without... Real quick, bef yeah. be before you announce it, and I just want to speak to the rest around here. And of course, I am biased to everyone that I interviewed because I think you're all absolutely incredible. Um, I just want to shout out the rest of the people that they just didn't mention. So of course, Eric Voorhees. What was cool about that interview was that he literally announced his DAO on our show. So he's one of the very first crypto companies to establish a DAO. And that was breaking news when it came on the show. And that was, and what they're doing over at Shapeshift is incredible. Um, shout out to Brett King, who has had multiple books, but just announced his latest book, um, which is really cool and talks about the future of what we're heading to, right? And, and it was just a really, really interesting conversation. I think anybody can get a lot of value out of. Shout out to Ben Armstrong. Appreciate him coming on the show. He came on. We had a really fun conversation. Then we got to go meet him in real life um, at the Miami Crypto Experience, which was also a really cool experience in itself. And then I'm also going to speak to um, Julian Sawyer, who is the brand new CEO of Bitstamp. Um, had a really awesome um, interview with him. He's coming with a lot of experience and really shaking up one of the oldest, if not the oldest, um, exchanges in the crypto space as it relates to everything happening on in crypto. So again, so many amazing things that have happened this year. I appreciate all of the interviews that we've had. I think we've had close to over 100 this year. And I think we're on track to do even more next year. So a really, 
really appreciate all the love and support that not only the the people who come on our show that you're a part of this, but also all of our listeners throughout the year. Thank you so much for being a part of this. It's been really exciting to be able to do all these awards. And um, I'll let Steve take it from here to announce the winner. All right. Well, and you're right. We have 104 scheduled for next year. 2022 is going to be busy. The winner of this year's first CC interview of the year is Dr. Lehman Baird from Hedera Hashgraph. Hashgraph community, you came out. We forerun it at the very beginning of the show. Um, Chris mentioned it as well. Um, the power of this community is something not to be trifled with. Let me tell you that much. Um, I have nothing but endless respect, love, and support for you. Um, we are all Hedera fans around here. And we really do hope to see a lot of really exciting stuff out of Hedera in the near future. Um, but guys, that is going to put a wrap on the 2021 CC Live Awards. But we're not done. We're not going home. This is a holiday special. We came to play. We are here with a very exciting way to wrap out this show. And that is a unique spin on blockchain bets. Blockchain bets. For those of you that join us every single week here on Cryptocurrent Live, especially on our Tuesday edition, we bring you blockchain bets, where we typically break down about three unique coins per host to tell you exactly what we think has the highest opportunity in the, in the upcoming week. But seeing as this is a holiday special, and we have all three hosts here, and it's the end of the year, and Christmas is around the corner, we decided to give you the greatest gift we could possibly give you. And that is our predictions for 2022. So these bold predictions will follow four great categories. We hope you'll stick with us through them. We know this show is running long, but frankly, we don't give a damn. So for this year, um, we have four categories, our first of which is surprising prices. It's almost like we're playing Jeopardy, right? Um, Richard, I want you to give me your surprising price prediction for 2022. What do you have? I will take surprising prices for 20000 please. Um, so I'm calling Cosmos to $100 by the end of 2022. So as we go into 2023, I think Cosmos is going to hit $100. Even through a bear cycle, that's inevitable. That's most likely coming um, into you know what potentially could be the next run-up. Cosmos ecosystem is extremely undervalued, in my opinion. And again, everything that we're about to say for the next whatever minutes is not financial advice. These are our own opinions. And again, these are bold, bold predictions, right? We, we are we're putting it all on the line right now, right? So we can check this a year from now and hopefully we'll see who potentially called some good ones. And, uh, um, you know, I like to think that hopefully I got some really good ones, but time will tell. So my bold price prediction is $100 Cosmos by 2023. And the reason being is we have had so many projects that have come on the show that are building on the Cosmos ecosystem. And these are really, really, really good and solid and avid projects. And what's cool about their ecosystem is, one, they don't just let everyone come and build on there. And if you get into the, the true like ecosystem where they, they start to help each other out, they start to give each other ways to build faster and have the resources that they need so that they can be um, as up-to-date on the latest and greatest ways to be building within their ecosystem. So. Just from a technological standpoint, they have a lot of great things being built. And then from like a 
again, from a price standpoint, people really are sleeping on Cosmos. So my, my, my bold prediction, $100 by 2023. Cosmos. AKA okay, dude. That is a really, really good pick. Um, you know, throughout the past blockchain bet segments, I typically like to um, pump your bag, if you will. Um, whenever you give a pick, I typically like to give you the tip of the cap there because it is a good pick. This is this is no exception. Okay, Cosmos is one of the top two interoperability plays, in my opinion, next to Polkadot. Um, the only thing that needs to change with Cosmos, in my opinion, is their tokenomics mo- model. Um, there's some things about it that are a little questionable to me, but $100 by 2023 is a low ball estimate, in my opinion. But... Um, out of a surprising prices uh, prediction block, I felt like it was just all too predictable to give a positive prediction. So I decided to be unpredictable in my prediction and give you a negative take. My take for my bold prediction on surprising price is Solana will crash to $13.50 after hitting a $250 blow off top. Um, I personally believe there's way too much VC money in Solana and they're watching this very, very closely. The second that we hit a peak, I personally believe that we're going to see the majority of the VCs pull their capital to try and hit an absolute low point and buy back in to run the thing back up in the next, bear, in the next bull market. And when they do that, it's going to be a 95% retracement. That's my take. I'm sticking to it. That is so bold. Hey, look. So I have to say that I disagree with this, but in the event that you're right, I am going to get so much Solana at this price point. If oh my gosh, like if somehow you call this and this is correct, you best believe me personally am about to snag up as much as possible. Look, man, I invite it. Frankly, I'm not going to lie to you. Like I'm going to just probably snag up a bunch of Solana in the bear market too. But this prediction is largely based on a percentage to me. I do not see a world, regardless if it gets to 250 or not, okay? This is about a 95% pullback. That to me is the biggest thing here, right? In crypto, we like to say that when the bear market hits, all alts will typically pull back 90%. I'm not saying that you're going to see that. Some, some pull back 80, some pull back 85 I'm saying that in the situation that we have an absolute blow off top, Solana is going to pull back 95. I don't see a world where it doesn't. Um, But you're right. I will be there with you to invest a very, very, very considerable amount of money into a moon bag of Solana. um, Because I'm not going to miss that wave again. I can tell you that for sure. Um, Chris, talk to me about your bold prediction in surprising price. So... I actually had two price-related predictions. And if it's the one I think it is, which it is, and unsurprisingly, it's about helium. I went with helium is going to hit $200. I don't know if it'll hold that or when it'll happen. But sometime in 2022, I have a feeling we will see helium to 200 The reason being is, you know, like Richard and I were kind of hinting at talking about with Project of the Year, Helium has basically hit it out of the park. But beyond that, and the reason I brought this into price is because they have, in my opinion, the single best tokenomics out of any coin out there right now. Is not only is there a you know lifetime supply cap like we see with Bitcoin, but there are also deflationary aspects of helium built into the network. 
that being when you send data anywhere along the Helium blockchain, you need to use data credits where, you know, I think one Helium, you have to burn a Helium to create data credits. One Helium creates 100,000 data credits. So in the life cycle, and especially in the next year, as we see more and more partners with Helium, you're going to need more data credits to you know, send and use the network. As a result, you reduce the, you know, the total pool of Helium. And I'm hoping, but I'm also predicting that that is going to jack the price up beyond $100, which I think is at this point, basically a guarantee for where it heads next. I'm not going to disagree with you that like $100 helium is in the cards. Man, there are very few tokenomic models that I can even imagine that result in a $200 helium by the end of next year. It's currently trading 36 bucks. Like, look, it... We're here for bold predictions, right? We're here to blow it out of the damn park. We're here to swing for home runs. Good luck. <laughs> Let's move into our next category of bold predictions, and that is our trending narratives. So these are the calls for where we personally think the highest upside exists in 2022 and what mega trends may exist. So Richard, talk to me about trending narratives. What is your bold prediction for 2022? All right. So yield farming will surge during DeFi winter in early 2022. So uh, winter is coming. You heard it first. Um, if you don't know where that phrase comes from, sleeping under a rock. Um, otherwise, let me tell you first, uh, Game of Thrones, go watch it. Fun, 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 fun. Great show. Um, Never seen it. Winter's coming. And when it happens, aka when the next bear cycle comes... People are going to look for ways when these retracements happen. Um, you know, uh, as Steven said, alts typically retrace pretty hard. I don't know if we're going to see 80, 90, 90% again. We might see like 30 to 60, but even 30 to 60 is a really big retracement. A lot of people haven't had to stomach that yet. They haven't had to deal with that kind of adversity yet. Um, but for those who are have some moon bags and have some huddle bags and um, are trying to find ways to protect protect their downside for things that they don't want to necessarily sell all of, maybe take some profit, but then still hold on to some. DeFi and yield forms are going to be the greatest way to do it. Why? Because it holds up the price. Because if people aren't selling and if they're getting APY, which is annual percentage yield for providing liquidity to DEXs and also for um, staking, aka putting into your crypto to hold up the amount of supply that's within one of the crypto ecosystems, you're basically letting your money make money while you're not doing anything with it. So it's going to help with pricing from not falling and having the rug pulled from underneath it. And it's also incentivizing and rewarding uh, those moon bags for people who are sitting there and letting it hold. So again, for annual percentage yield, all you really need is to continue to find ways for your money to make money. And that's why I'm calling yield farming is going to surge during this DeFi winter that is coming. I absolutely love the narrative. I think it's a, a great point to bring up. Um, there is something worth mentioning here that you brought up, um, which has to do with like the amount of pullback. It's not like something that I personally think is a bold prediction. That's why I left it out. But I, I do want to make sure that I put this out here. I don't think for a second that Bitcoin is going to pull back the way that it did in the bear markets prior. Um, I, I think you guys agree with that based on prior discussions. But like, I really don't see a world where we see like an 80 plus percentage pullback in Bitcoin's price when we actually hit the bear market. Um, do you guys have any comment on that real quick before we move forward? 
Nope, I agree. I don't think Bitcoin sees that kind of... I, I think your top cryptos, right? I think your top five to 10 cryptos, I don't know that they're going to see that type of pullback again. Yeah. Chris, any thoughts? Nope. Agreed with everything y'all said. All right. Well, in that case, let's move back to bold. And when we go bold, we are going for this. I personally think that 2022 is going to be the year of ZK rollups, becoming Ethereum's scaling solution of choice, and that DAOs are going to become the new VCs. This to me is a lofty expectation that we're going to see DAOs overtake um, the type of things that VCs can do. But I think that institutional trust is at an all-time low right now. People want to have nothing to do with it. And I think that logic follows with VCs. A lot of the times, these companies that are... Not companies. These organizations that are creating technology that need funding would go to a VC, but they don't want to anymore. They have DAOs out there that are willing to support these insane new project ideas. And I personally think that especially when it comes to social and philanthropic DAOs, we're going to see the trend continue into 2022. And there's going to be a lot of money to be made there. But ZK rollups, um, they are the future of Ethereum, in my opinion. They're too efficient. They're too easy to use. The bridging is way easier than it ever was to get over to any other optimistic solution um, or the other one that was crap that I can't remember the name of off the top of my head. But ZK rollups, um, whether you're looking at ZK Sync, um, Numio's wallet, Anything that's utilizing ZK Snarks, um, Polygon is especially one of the plays that I'm looking at right now. Immutable X is another. Um, I would be looking at those and I would definitely, if you can afford to do so, get onto your MetaMask, connect it to ZK Sync, and transfer just a little bit of Ethereum to to ZK Sync because I can almost, almost guarantee you that an airdrop is coming on that one. Um, so my personal opinion and my bold prediction for a trending narrative in 22, ZK rollups and DAOs. That's where the money is. Chris, what do you have for your bold prediction on a trending narrative? Yeah, so <laughs> not too much of a surprise here as I've been the anti-Ethereum voice out of the group, I'd say, uh, for the better part of the last year. But you know, following the news that Steve and I discussed you know, about a week ago now, I a little under was that Melania Trump launched her NFT collection on Solana. And to me, that is kind of an indicator that new high profile NFT collections from, you know, major public figures are probably going to start, you know, maybe coming out on Solana instead of Ethereum. And so my bold prediction for the narrative in general is that it is a going to completely contradict Steve's price, uh, Steve's price prediction. But B is that because of the speed, because of the you know very inexpensive cost of actually using the network, that new NFTs are going to start dropping on Solana instead of Ethereum because of you know the network superiority. That being said, Richard did have his security concerns because they did have two issues. I think they're going to solve those and Solana is just going to blow Ethereum out of the water. So just to clarify on something, they did have a security issue, but they also had a scaling issue. There have been multiple network outages. I'm going to tell you right now, 
I hope you're right. Because again, I think it'd be better for the overall ecosystem. But I don't think there's a shot in hell. Just my personal opinion. I think that you've got too much mainstream adoption over on Ethereum. If Ethereum 2.0 hits when it is supposed to hit, when is the key word there? Um, but they've already missed it multiple times. So let's, let's keep that in retrospect. Yeah. Hey, you're, you're not, not when, under when Ethereum 2 is starting to sound like BitBoy talking about Cardano's price. So look, all I'm saying is Aya Miyaguchi is legit. She has a history for execution in her background. Um, since she took the reins from Vitalik, a lot of changes happened over at Ethereum. So I'm not saying it's a guarantee. I'm just saying that I am very, very much so thinking that Ethereum is on time and it's going to be really hard for this prediction to come true if Ethereum is on time. I got high hopes for you, Steve. We're going to see. I hope so too. I am hopeful. I am doubtful too. I'll also say that I think that there is room for both to coexist. Um, so just to make sure that you're not hearing what I'm not saying, right? Um, yeah. But look, let's move into our third bull prediction category. The end is nigh. <laughs> the end is nigh, folks. I'm that guy on the street corner with the cardboard sign telling you that the world is coming to an end. And inevitably, all bull markets come to an end. So Richard, tell me about what your world ending slash market ending prediction is for 2022. History does not repeat, but it rhymes. And if you look back at 2017 to 18, you saw like basically a run up. Then you saw a little bit of a dip around November, December. And then back to December, you saw the last leg up going into the new year. And then you saw basically the market fall off a cliff going into the, the bear cycle, right? We saw that 78% correction. So... I think that there's a case that we see the pullback happen as soon as the end of this year, pretty soon, or running up into somewhere between January and March. The more and more I personally have been looking into this, I feel like the bull market is going to peak in January. So again, we're talking the top. Like, hey, congratulations, we made it. Here's our moon bags. Everyone's really happy. I think it's a good time to consider taking profits and figuring out what's going to be your hodl bag and get ready. Get ready for the storm. Get ready for winter because it's coming. Boy, I hope you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, the, there's no one of us on this, on this, um, this, uh, this live stream that will tell you that we want this to happen. Right? Like that's, that's just the truth. None of us want this to happen. But I can tell you this for sure. This is going to be the first prediction we find out about. <laughs> yeah. So look, Rich, I hope you're wrong. Um, but if you're right, I really hope that you're pulling money out. Um, so we'll see what happens. But Hey, we've had plenty of conversations around taking profits. Remember that. If you haven't, make sure you go check it out. Yep. That's for sure. My end is nigh prediction for 2022 is that we will indeed have a blow off top in 2022. It's going to happen either at the end of Q1 or early Q2, not January. And I think that more than that, two things are going to trigger it. Ethereum 2.0 going live 
not being delayed and simultaneously us getting a verdict on the XRP trial versus the SEC. The latter of which I have insider knowledge on, I'm not going to reveal my source. I apologize. I just can't do that. Um, they've asked for confidentiality on it. Um, I have it on good authority that we're going to see the end of the XRP trial in Q1. Um, and it's going to be a favorable ruling for XRP. If that does come to pass and my source is correct, um, that on its own is going to be a massive news story and could add a huge amount of bullishness back into the market just on the sentiment alone of the SEC getting told back in your corner. Like that's enormous. But I think that ETH 2.0 being a narrative that we just questioned, right? If they hit the timeline that they have most recently stuck to, that to me is what would be a buy the rumor, sell the news of the year, right? It has not happened, okay? They have not hit deadlines. If both of these things happen, ETH 2.0 has been the rumor. It happens, it's the news. Buy the rumor, sell the news. If the market follows that to the model and we see this happen the way it goes, price is going to shoot through the roof and then it's going to tank. I think that's what happens when you have a blow off top. If I stand correct on what the charts look like, that's my prediction for the end is nine, 2022. Chris, what do you think? Is the end nigh after all? Well, uh, it depends uh, on what side you're on, I guess, because my prediction is less about, you know, market cycles and timing and more about Cardano just kind of shit in the bed for lack of a better term. Um, there was that period of time this year in 2021 where we saw, you know, Cardano just below $3 and everyone was shouting from the, you know, the rooftops that Cardano is the future. Every other coin is dead that's trying to do the same thing. And since then, the price has effectively tanked. I mean, I think it's sitting at about $1.20, $1.30 right now. And honestly, I can just see Cardano dipping even further because the reality is while all of their competitors have either caught up or exceeded them, Cardano really hasn't done anything since about October. And I don't see it doing anything outrageous to kind of recover all the ground it's lost since then. So I'm going to be following this closely and I will definitely be talking about it, probably do a crypto basics video on Cardano. But yeah, I just Cardano, it needs some help. And Charles Hoskinson, if you watch this, just take a note out of Helium's playbook. Come on, man. You have all the money in the world. And for some reason, a, a Wi-Fi company or soon to be decentralized Wi-Fi company is absolutely smacking you. So hopefully you turn it around. I don't want to see it fail, but that's my bold prediction for 2022. Yeah, look, this what I'm doing in my video screen over here has nothing to do with an advertisement for Dutch Bros. It's me icing my head because Chris is literally making my brain boil at the moment. Um, <laughs> the idea of it crashing is insane to me. Um, and I'm going to leave it at that. 
Um, hey, but it's, it's found a lot of support around one. If it dips below one, I think Chris Chris prediction has a has a chance. Next Heard level, is, next level of support below one is eighty. Just saying. Um, <laughs> I'm watching it really closely, guys. I like I made no no question about it. I think two or three streams ago that I have stepped back off Cardano. I wanted to be transparent with our audience when I did it. Um but Chris, my God. Hey, he said bold. He said bold. Yeah. You can't hate us because you ain't us. Come on now, Steve. Yeah, I mean, but you're you really are making an anus of yourself with this prediction, but that's only because you're gonna put me on a T. <laughs> final category for bold predictions, the final word of 2021 telling you about what's happening next year in 2022. Richard, what is your final word? What is the boldest of the bold predictions you have? All right. You heard it here first. Institutions are gonna start moving into crypto. From the traditional finance before the third interest rates start to go into effect. So for all of you in the United States and who aren't in the United States, the it was announced that interest rates are going to hike three different times next year, right? So logically, when that happens, you typically see a correction happen in the regular market. So I believe what you're seeing right now in the month of December is a lot of companies are beginning to take profits, especially a lot of these investment companies who are in traditional finance world. So they're going to be sitting on cash because they know that, you know, a correction should be coming sooner or later. So you can't just let this money sit. So what's going to happen? They're probably watching what's going on in crypto right now and realizing that, hey, a bear market should be coming. Great buying opportunity. I can buy in stuff cheap, quote unquote cheap. And once we start to see that money diversify in the crypto, I think we start to see the, the beginning of the next bull cycle. And I think we're looking at Q3, Q4 when that potentially starts to happen. And again, I know this is against popular belief and uh, logic could tell you otherwise, but I'm going for the bold prediction that we're going to start seeing real big institutional money start to come into the crypto space by the end of next year, which is going to signal the birth and beginning of the next bull cycle. So correct me if I'm wrong. What you're pitching is almost like a, a shorter market cycle theory based on this. Yep. Okay. I just wanted to have that right. I Look, I, I'm starting to buy more and more into the micro cycle theory. Um, we'll get into that on a live stream, I'm sure, in the new year. Um, but there are a lot of theories about what's going on in the market right now because it's already defying past um, cycles. You know, the, yep. the structures that we've had in the past are being tested and are being disproven. So time will tell, right? Um, I will tell you this. I like that take. I like that take a lot. Um, I questioned you on it earlier, but I really do like that take. Um, my final word, my bold prediction for 2022 is that the second half of 2022 will not exactly happen as Richard says. However, I do think that it will mark the beginning of a huge, a huge wave of decentralized mergers and acquisitions. We see right now thousands of different decentralized projects that are out there. 
and you've already started to see some M&A occurring. Early on in this cycle, we saw Solana, um, I believe, yeah, I believe it was Solana or it was Alameda Research. They're the same thing to me. Acquire Ren. You then saw Polygon two months ago acquire Hermes. Why? Because there's too much out there. And frankly, if any of these protocols really want to like succeed in the long run, they not only need to add to their teams, but they need to continue to be adding great tech to their already existing stack. I personally think that basis what I said in my last prediction, that we're going to see that blow off top happen in Q2, a lot of projects are going to get hurt. A lot of these projects won't exist anymore. And frankly, their tech will. So to me, I see this as the perfect opportunity for us to start seeing more of these larger projects acquiring and merging with smaller projects that get absolutely wrecked that won't be able to sustain themselves in and throughout the bear market. So to me, second half of 2022, expect to see a lot of mergers and acquisitions. This is going to happen. Chris, first. What, do you, what do you make of it? What do you think is your final word take? So mine is NFT related. And I think that TikTok is going to give creators tools to turn their content and their new content directly into NFTs. And the reason I think this is because for those who missed it, Instagram announced recently that they will be directly integrating NFTs into their platform. And that's interesting because Instagram typically is, you know, following trends. They took the story concept from Snapchat. They took reels from, you know, TikTok's entire platform. And so I kind of, I think, and I think it would also be a mistake for them not to, that TikTok to kind of compete with this new wave of NFTs on a platform like Instagram will directly integrate it within their own platform. And I think it could benefit them, right? You already have this whole collaborative community on TikTok with duets and stitches, as well as being able to reuse sounds from other TikToks. And so to me, it's a logical next step to you know, enable creators to turn that into NFTs and then possibly open up things like revenue sharing when your creations are then reused and repurposed. I mean, look, I think it's a really interesting take. I don't think that altogether um, it's outlandish. Um, but I, I definitely think there's a chance that you see that happen. The only thing that I question about it is like, do you think that the fact that it's a Chinese-based company is going to like play any type of factor in it? Not really, because you know, starting under the Trump administration, we already saw a push both internally and externally to get that company essentially based in the United States, so there is more freedom with what they do. Um. But like you were saying, right, there, this is only a chance of it happening. A lot of things would need to kind of perfectly align and come together for this to become a reality. Gotcha. Well, look, guys, that's going to round out our predictions and our blockchain bets looking forward to 2022. For those of you that have managed to stick with us throughout this stream, we really appreciate you being here. Um, we honestly have had a blast bringing you the first ever CC Live Awards as well as our bold predictions for the new year. Um, the Aftershock segment, eh, it was okay. But the rest of it was a blast. 
Um, look, I am going to kick Chris off because frankly, I thought the Ada take was garbage. Um, but <laughs> that is going to do it for us here at Cryptocurrent Live. Um, it has been a fantastic year. Um, I want to thank every single member of our team for doing all that they do for us. We have a phenomenal team over here at Cryptocurrent. If you'd like to join it, please feel free to message either Richard or I. We do have open positions right now. Um, you, our handles are on screen, so you can reach out to us via direct message on Twitter. Or of course, you can find all of our contact info up at crypto-current.co. Um, otherwise, we've got, again, two great episodes this week. And we are going to continue releasing interviews throughout the rest of the year. Um, I believe that our episode yesterday was with Dave... Was it with Dave Burles or was that... It was Act. Was it? Mm-hmm. What was AKT? Mm-hmm. It was AKT.io. Um, that was Julian, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yep. And that, that was a really interesting episode from what I remember because I listened to it, to it before it went live. Um, and then I believe that means that Dave Burles is on Friday from Pluto Digital talking about their yield optimization platform. Well, before we go, Rich, um, I want to at the very least ask you if you have any final words for our cryptocurrent community, the cryptocurrent crew, and anybody else that may find themselves watching this um, stream or playing it back on recast. So again, uh, no, this was a longer one, but we appreciate y'all being with us. We appreciate you being with us on the journey. If you ever have feedback, hit us up. We really want to know. We really want to keep turning this into a community. Uh, we hope you enjoy all of the amazing production that we've been able to bring to you both through the podcast. But then also, I do want to give a special shout out to Steve and just all the hard work he's been doing with creating CC Live and of course with Chris um, helping and supporting with that as well um, with getting this amazing product out here and having a way for us to connect with you on an even more um, direct and intimate level. So it's only going to keep getting better. We have an amazing roadmap planned for 2020. Too, which is wild to think about. It's been a very quick, fast year. And we hope that you've been enjoying this. And again, we do want to encourage you, if you have been enjoying this, please give us a like, please give us a follow, please share this. And again, tell us what you want to hear so we can keep giving you the latest news. So I really do appreciate all of you. And I want to keep encouraging you all to stay cryptocurrent. Hope you have a happy holidays and happy new year. And we'll catch you in the new year. Make sure you subscribe, make sure you comment, like, and get at us on socials. If you don't want to watch us anymore, I understand. I'm not that pretty. Richard, you got a nice voice though. Just hold on to that, I guess, into 2022. Um, if you would like to go ahead and follow us on your preferred podcast platform where you can listen to these streams recast on a two-day delay. But otherwise, guys, have a great new year. We appreciate you very much. Stay cryptocurrent. See you in 22.